and greetings from Sky Valley, Georgia. My wife and I are enjoying the last several days at our our place here before the sale is hopefully finalized this Friday. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Now, if you've been listening this week and you've listened the last couple of weeks, you know that my wife and I have been spending a lot of time in Virginia. We have made the decision to be closer to family and decided to sell our place that we had in Sky Valley, Georgia. There's a long story and how how God really orchestrated the place that we have here. We're going to miss it. We have a lot of ourselves, a lot of a lot of work in this place. But the time has come to be closer to family. And so keep us in prayer. We are now down to the big countdown that in basically 48 hours from now, uh, or less really, uh, this place should be closed and we will be on our way. These first couple of days this week, we've been preparing, getting the last of our personal belongings together to be put into a into a trailer on Thursday and our personal belongings here will be heading to Virginia. And so it's kind of a, well, mixed emotions. My wife and I, we've enjoyed it here. And as I sit in this studio room, and this will be the last few times I get a chance to use it, this little studio room is where this program was launched. The whole idea of Truth to Ponder started in this little room that I'm in right now. And when the program began, I I didn't really know how long it would last. Was this going to be a short-term program, a long-term radio program? What kind of topics were we going to talk about? Remember, this program started in August, end of August of 2020. And by that time, we were already in our, what, seventh or sixth or seventh month of, of the pandemic. This is before the vaccines. And we had all the lockdowns, the two weeks to flatten the curve. And a lot of things for many people, including myself, were just not adding up. The numbers just never made any sense. And we had to wonder, was this pandemic being used? And I think the answer is wholeheartedly yes. And I decided we needed to do a a program just to look at what is going on and get a handle on the truth because it was becoming increasingly obvious. We had seen this, well, it's coming together for quite a while in social media. They were becoming the gatekeepers of information and claiming even respected scientists and doctors and medical authorities were misinformation. And it's only gotten worse in these past uh, almost two years. There's a lot to talk about. And this program will continue uh, from Virginia, hopefully uh, beginning next week. And, And on top of that, let me add one more thing. It'll also be coming to you occasionally from Florida. We still have our primary residence there, though we're making this transition. I'll tell you the story one day about this little place in Georgia. 
and and why I think God planned it for us. Um, it launched a number of ministries, and so I, I just I'm so thankful. Now, for the remainder of this week, besides hearing from me a little bit at the beginning and during each of the programs to come, Jim Calhoun has been a lifesaver. And when all of this was like, we got to close early, we got to do this, you got to get out faster, um, Jim said, I'll help you out this week. And so I'm going to bring Jim Calhoun to the microphone in just a moment. And let me tell you, I've been, I kind of know what he's going to talk about. And I think you're going to be, you really need to hear this program. There's something going on. That's the best way to put it. There's something happening. There's something going on in in farming, in the environment. And there's something that we need to figure out. I'm concerned about food shortages and a lot of other things, and I know Jim is too. And we'll address that probably before the week is out. But right now, I want to welcome Jim Calhoun once again, my friend who's just bailed me out more than once to the program. Jim? Thanks, Bob. And as usual, it's great to be back on Truth to Ponder. It seems that I'm going to be helping Bob out quite a bit this week. And we've got some interesting plans for this week. And I'm going to leave it up to Bob exactly how he wants to handle things. But it looks to me like I'm going to be doing my show on his time slot at least once, maybe twice. And also, I'm a professional musician, and I've made my money that way my entire life. That's been my career has been in music. And so it's just a natural for me to have a music show. And Bob is even considering putting one of those up as an episode as he's doing the work that he needs to do to finish closing on the house and getting moved and everything that comes with a great big life change, like what Bob Bierman's going through. He's moving, he's selling a house, he's got a podcast, he has a ministry, he's an engineer working on shortwave equipment as far as transmitters, and Bob Bierman is a very busy man, and I'm really happy that his health is starting to come around. Thank you for all the prayers. I think prayers are essential and they're vital. And again, I'd like to thank Bob Bierman for allowing me to speak to his audience. I do appreciate it. Well, I'm going to get right to the point. I think that the world is being destroyed. And I think it's being done right in front of us, but we're not seeing it. It's like not seeing the forest because there's too many trees. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you what I think is happening, and then I'm going to give you a whole bunch of evidence. And I'm going to admit right off the bat that the evidence that I really have is my observations And all of my evidence is anecdotal. And so you can take from it what you will. But that still doesn't change the fact that something is very, very major wrong. And I think if you listen to this entire broadcast, I think you'll see not only where I'm coming from, I think that you're going to, I have a feeling you're going to start noticing the things that I'm noticing. And I really hope that you don't notice what I'm noticing. Because it's absolutely frightening. Now, I'm going to start off the bat by saying that I'm not an environmentalist. I'm pretty much a naturalist, but I do believe in modern methods as well. I believe in balance. I think everything should be done in moderation. And you could call me a conservationalist, but not an environmentalist, because environmentalism is a 
it's a religion, and it's also a political movement. It's not really anything to do with the environment as far as I'm concerned. It's all about an agenda. And I'm totally against the environmentalists who are extremists, and some of them are even terrorists. They're eco-terrorists, and I'm not for any of that. And so I don't want to be branded as an environmentalist, so I'm going to get that out of the way right now. But growing up where I grew up, out on the ranch, and I grew up with siblings, but we weren't close. So my playthings were the animals and the insects and my tree forts and the things that I did as a kid. I was always going on nature hikes. I was always camping out. I didn't wait for someone else to ask me to go fishing or go camping. I was very motivated. And even at age four and five years old, I would wander three or four hundred yards away from the house and I would pretend that I was like Daniel Boone or any of the other popular personalities of the day, Davy Crockett. And so I always had that outdoorsman type of a mentality, and I've never outgrown that. And so through the years, I've really tuned myself really, really strong towards the environment. And so I really notice things more than most people. Most people don't notice ants as they crawl on the ground or a toad that hops by. Most people couldn't care any less. But see, I watch these things, and I also look at them, and I observe them. I don't just glance and walk by. I absolutely observe everything that I see. I'm very in tune with my environment. And so I'm going to start this by saying what I think is going on. I think that mankind is ruining the earth. Now, before you roll your eyes, I'm going to tell you that I don't think it's you. I don't think it's me. It's not we, the people. It's the satanic globalists, and they're just blaming us. So it's a big false flag that we are the ones that are destroying the earth. But it's people like Bill Gates and others that are funding the chemtrails and are spraying us with all sorts of insecticide and herbicide and who knows what else. They're absolutely ruining the soil, and they're making the air we breathe toxic. And there's other things going on, too. They're genetically altering different insects and animals, and I do believe they're releasing a few. And also the bioweapons, the viruses are a bioweapon, the vaccine is a bioweapon. That's just my opinion. But everywhere you look, they have this build back better mentality. But first they have to destroy. And I think they've really been working on destroying the world. They're trying to destroy what God has created because these people fancy themselves as gods. And so they feel that if they can destroy everything that God created, then they can repopulate the earth with the creatures that they're trying to make in laboratories. I know it sounds like a really bad 1950s sci-fi movie, but that's what we're living through. We're living through a really bad 1950s sci-fi movie. Evil scientists and the whole works. All we need is Igor running around, but... I guess Dr. Fauci kind of fits the bill there for Igor. But it seems to me that as they are destroying the economy, destroying the oil industry, wrecking commerce, and getting a worldwide disruption of all the shipping, all of the container ships that are out in the sea, the railroads that are being shut down, the pipelines that are being shut down, 
And then you have the wars that they're really pushing for. I know right now that NATO would really like nothing else but to go to war with Russia. And I think China wouldn't hesitate to invade Taiwan. And Israel seems to want to dispatch Iran. And there's all sorts of other smaller skirmishes everywhere. And it seems like it's all man-made. And it takes up all the headlines. And so here we are watching all of this man-made disaster, one after another. They're burning down or destroying or sabotaging all of our food industry. The distribution centers, the packing plants, the processing centers. And then they're passing stupid mandates and horrible laws and a bunch of edicts from our dictators all over the world that are signing executive orders that most of them are not even constitutional within the country that they're being signed. And then the so-called justice system that has no justice is totally broken. And so what we're looking at is a man-made disaster all the way across. And then you can add the drag queen story time and what they're trying to do to our children. While we're at it, let's add the southern border of the United States that's an absolute atrocity. Then you see the quote-unquote migrants that are taking over Europe right now. And so everywhere you look, there's a massive problem. But I don't think that's really what they're trying to do. I think that is a smokescreen. I honestly think what they're trying to do is kill all of God's creation. And the easiest way to do that is to kill the ecosystem and kill the food chain. And once the food chain is disrupted or dead or hurt bad, mortally wounded, then I don't know if it can ever come back. So I think these people are truly satanic. I think these scientists are truly evil. I think their intent is totally homicidal against humanity. And I really do think that. Now, here's some evidence. Now, again, it's anecdotal evidence. But I'm going to go through quite a bit of the show is going to be this evidence. And then I'm going to add some comments along the way. And it's going to take a while to get through the evidence because there's so much of it. First of all, chemtrails is not a conspiracy theory. It's a known fact. It's been admitted to by the government. And also Bill Gates Foundation is funding some of these chemtrails. And remember, Bill Gates said he wanted to block out the sun. And recently, the Spanish government has come out and admitted to spraying their skies with all sorts of horrible chemicals. Then one of the chemicals was an insecticide. Okay, I'm going to start with the honeybees. Remember, five or six years ago, maybe ten years ago, the honeybees were dying, and they didn't know why. So they come up with the colony collapse disorder. And then soon after that, the monarch butterflies were all dying. And it was the farmer's fault. The farmers were plowing under all of the milkweed and other plants that the monarch butterfly needs to survive. It's the farmer's fault. And all of that was to set a narrative. That's how these globalists work. They come up with the crisis, they set a narrative, and then they can go pretty well unnoticed as they include other plants and animals and so forth in their scheme. I'm going to tell you right now, the monarch butterfly did not go away because of lack of milkweed. Milkweed's everywhere. And I live in a place where the monarch butterfly does migrate through. I've seen swarms of monarch butterflies that are just beautiful, great big ones. And no, they don't just eat milkweed. The reason they eat milkweed is because 
nothing likes to eat milkweed. And if they eat the milkweed, then nothing will want to eat them. It's not really so much a food source as a as protection that they put inside their body to make themselves unpalatable to birds and other predators. But that's a whole other story. But the monarch butterflies are almost non-existent. I haven't seen one this year. That's evidence number one. Honeybees. Usually, on a summer day or a spring day, you can step outside my door on a nice still day with the wind not blowing, and you can hear the happy hum of bees at work. Not this year. Not last year. And a lot of you know that I harvest hay. And also, I harvest alfalfa. And alfalfa has a nice, fragrant, beautiful purple bloom. And among the purple flowers are usually thousands of little white butterflies. And they fly in pairs. And I don't know if they're doing a mating dance or just how that happens. I don't know how their, their life cycle works. But I know that it's amazing watching them over a field. Because in pairs, they're like dancing. And there's thousands of them across the field. So it's just like poetry in motion. And every year, I look forward to watching, I would call it a phenomenon, how they interact with each other. It's really special. It's wonderful to see. And anybody that's ever mowed alfalfa has seen this. And what these butterflies do is they thrive off the nectar, off of the plants, off the alfalfa plants. And so every year, I see probably millions of them. Because a field the size of like 10 or 20 acres is going to have thousands upon thousands of these butterflies. And I always feel bad as I go out and mow the alfalfa down. And sometimes they're right over the top of the plants as I'm mowing it down. And then they have to fly off to the next place where I have it mowed. And then pretty soon the whole field's done. And then the butterflies have nowhere to go. So they have to fly till they find another alfalfa patch, which isn't very far around here. But I always feel like the alfalfa is their home, and I feel like an intruder. But when you have livestock you have to feed, you do what you do. And also, if you're in business, you have to do what you have to do for business. If you could imagine these purple-flowered fields with these yellow butterflies, if you put that in your mind's eye, now I'm going to tell you what it looks like this year. And I've been looking, because like I say, I always pay attention to my environment. I've seen exactly one yellow butterfly, and it looked so lonely as it was flittering over a small patch of alfalfa. And right before I came to record this show, I went past five or six very large fields of alfalfa, and I slowed down, and I looked and looked and looked. I was going 10 miles an hour, and I was right up against the field, so I was right there, almost inside the alfalfa field. I was only like maybe five yards from the alfalfa. And you can see these butterflies because they're about the size of, they're about half the size of a monarch butterfly. They're not small, but they're not big. But you can easily see them at 100 yards or maybe 150 yards. You can see them very easily. None. I saw none today. And I mentioned earlier on one of my shows that I'm noticing ant mounds. And there's hundreds if not thousands of dead ants at the entrance of a lot of ant mounds, way more than normal. And so I started watching ant mounds, and that has me concerned. And I'm going to jump around between insects and birds and animals. Squirrels. 
we have a real nice tree grove. And it was a tree claim. It was planted over 100 years ago. And always had families of squirrels that were in those really tall old cottonwoods. And they'd make nests out of the cottonwood leaves. And so every year, after the leaves would fall from the trees, we'd have 20 or 30 really big squirrels' nests. And also, I live along the Platte River, and the Platte River has trees all along it. And you could see squirrels' nests all up and down the river bottom. I have not seen a squirrel or a squirrel's nest even remotely close to where I live, except in town. I see a few in town. But as far as their country cousins, the squirrels that live out in the country, they're gone. No squirrels at all. And also, we have a slow-moving creek that goes through the property. And about every 20 yards, usually a muskrat house that they pile up the cattails and things, and they make a nice little, looks like a little hut. And that's what they winter in. They hollow it out in the center, and they make the entrance. They have to swim up from the water, and they come up through the water into their little hut. And so they're really protected from coyotes and so forth because it freezes on the outside in the winter and gives them a nice icy coating, but yet it's thick enough that they're insulated. And muskrats are very well equipped to handle the cold. And I always enjoyed watching the muskrats out playing and saw all the muskrat huts out there. This year, instead of having like a hundred muskrat huts, we have one. I realize that animals can be cyclical, and insects and plants, that maybe one year you have more of something than another, but it always evens out. And the next year, it kind of balances back. But we're on year number two on a lot of these. And it's not just one or two species, it's all across the board. Every year we have three or four Canadian geese that decide not to fly north, and they like that little mud creek out on the north of the property. And so I've always watched these baby goslings grow up, and usually they hatch out three or four per family. And as I'm mowing out there, I really pay attention not to hit one of them. And they were pretty successful at raising them because I know that they like to go back to where they were born to lay their own eggs. And that's been an unbroken, and it's been an unbroken series of Canadian geese that hatch out their eggs here and raise their goslings. Last year, none of them came, nor this year. So I think that that cycle's been broken. Ever since I was a little kid, we always had three or four families of wood ducks that would lay their eggs up in nests in these same cottonwoods where the squirrels were. And I always enjoyed the beautiful colors of the wood ducks. They're a very beautiful duck. This is year number two. They're not here. Every summer, we seem to be kind of plagued with these great big grasshoppers. They're huge. And they cross the road. And as they're crossing the road, you can't help but run over them because they're crossing the road by the hundreds of thousands. This year, I've seen one. And I've been looking. And I just got through with a 120-mile drive right through the heart of where a lot of the infestation of these grasshoppers usually is. And I saw one. Also, I live, I live right here on the Platte River. And anyone that lives along a river in the summer knows how many bugs there are. Mosquitoes, gnats, so forth and so on. And as you drive down the road at night, 
especially a night with lots of humidity. You seem to get thousands of bugs squished on your windshield. And traditionally here, I have to stop every time I get fuel and scrub all the dead bugs off the windshield. This year, I have not had one bug smash on my windshield. And so I could say, well, I'm just not going fast enough. So I started looking at other cars as they come past me. And nobody has bugs on their windshield. And also, those grasshoppers, they seem to plague everyone's radiators and the front end of their cars and their grill and their bumpers. And they're splattered all over, as well as gnats and flying ants, things like that. You can always tell someone that's driven down this road in the summer because of all the different insects that are stuck on the front of your car. This year, nothing. Not a one. I have not had to clean my windshield once because of insects. And that doesn't even make sense to me, because I was born and raised here. This area used to be really bad for mosquitoes, and at night you couldn't even go outside because they were so ferocious and how many numbers there were. They'd almost carry you away. Well, I decided to take the screen off my bedroom window and sleep with my bedroom window open with no screen. And I'm only about 100 yards from the river. Now, in any other time period in history, I would have a billion mosquitoes in my room. I've only had roughly a dozen that I've had to swat. And I've had the screen off for over a month. And anyone that's ever spent time in central Nebraska along the Platte River would say that you can easily swat a dozen mosquitoes in five minutes. Easily. Probably a dozen mosquitoes every minute. They were always really bad here, but not anymore. And another thing that has me really concerned is the fact that I'm not seeing any earthworms. Now, it hasn't rained very much here, and so, of course, you're not going to see a lot of earthworms if your soil is dry. But even with that, usually after a rainstorm and you have a puddle of water, you can usually see earthworms or the trail that an earthworm has left while they were in the puddle. And there have been times in the past where you'd see five or six earthworms in a puddle that would be like one or two feet square. There was that many earthworms. This year, we haven't had very much rain, but I've been noticing in the puddles, there's no earthworms, there's no trails that an earthworm was ever there. And so I'm wondering if it isn't the chemtrails that's destroying the soil, that's destroying the earthworms. And also, this is a flyway for robins, and I haven't seen very many robins at all. And of course, robins love to eat earthworms. And the robins that are here, I've been watching them, and I haven't seen any of those go after a worm. And usually, I notice those kind of things, that I see robins out there trying to feed their young. And the bird's nests that are usually here are not here. Every year I have to go to my haying equipment, and I usually have to clear out some bird's nests. Of course, I let them raise their young first, and then, and after their young are flying and on their own, I'll remove the bird's nest from my equipment. I have not had to remove one bird's nest. And also, when you're mowing hay, especially in wetlands, you usually mow up mouse nests and bird's nests, 
and you don't do it on purpose, of course. You just can't see it. The grass is usually so thick, and it'll clog your mower if you have a big enough nest. And usually, I have to stop five or six times a field to clear out one of these nests. And I'm going to say right now, the nests are never occupied. These are older nests that they've hatched out or raised the young out of them, and they're abandoned nests. And so they're old, and they're soggy, and they're, they're hard to cut, kind of like trying to cut a wet dish rag. Anyway, they plague the fields in the lowland areas. It's been three years since I've had to stop and get off and clear out one of these old nests. Now, usually it's three or four times per field. And the fields I'm talking are, let's say, 20 acres. So about every five acres, normally, you'd have to stop and clear off your mower bar from one of these nests. And it's been, like I say, three years since I've had to do this. And so obviously, there's no nests being built because they're not there. And so are you starting to sense a pattern here? I'm going to take a short break. And on the other side of the break, I'm going to start tying this all together. And so I'll be right back after this. Thank you, Jim. And, and like you, I can't wait to hear the second part of the program today. I'm going to give you an address. We're still going to be using the Crestview, Florida address for mailing. Even though we're heading to Virginia. By the way, there was a few people that had sent some mail to our Sky Valley address, and I now have it. Post office held on to it for me, and they're so nice up here. I'm going to miss them. But uh, continue to use probably at least, at least for a while, the uh, Crestview, Florida address. Because we are going to be doing some travel, we are just learned about uh, 24 hours ago we're probably going to have to go down to Florida for several weeks, maybe a month. And it's going to be like about five, six weeks from now. That was not planned, but it, it's going to happen. And we're going to be trying to set up housekeeping in Virginia, and or at least partially anyway. And then we have to run down to, to Florida. And it's just a lot going on. And so we're going to continue to use a very safe address and then we're going to come up with an address that can be, you know, used all the time. And, and I'm hoping that maybe, maybe by the end of the year, we can have that all in place. I want to thank all of you that have prayed for me, uh, for my health issue. At the moment, everything seems to be in, well, for lack of a better word, remission. I don't want to, that may not be the right word, but the problem of the blood and the urine seems to have virtually disappeared we have kept our doctor's appointments and we do have other appointments coming up in about a month from now so we have those in well actually in virginia uh in september so we've got to get back in time for that so th there's just a lot going on a lot of travel little little dogs they're not they're not the world's greatest travelers but they're doing much better would you pray for us as we this this is a lot for a guy my age to be doing and I want to keep this program fresh and I want to keep the information important to you coming to you 
now. Would you help keep us on the air? Two ways to do it. You can go to the website, truththenumber2ponder.com. That is truththenumber2ponder.com. And you can go to the support tab. You'll get the mailing address. And also you can use either Give, Send, Go, which is a Christian crowdfunding site, or those that still use PayPal, you're still welcome to do so. They haven't thrown me off yet. And if you want to mail a check, make it payable to Ancient Word Radio. That's Ancient Word Radio. Mailing address, Truth to Ponder, 5753 Highway 85 North, 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. That is number 3248. Crestview is the city. State is Florida. Crestview, Florida, 32536. That's 32536. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The smallest difference coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is Jonathan Kahn, the nice Jewish boy, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Some marriage advice today. Do you know there are marriages that break up over somebody leaving the toilet seat up or the cap off the toothpaste? It's true. You see, the smallest difference, if not dealt with, if not forgiven, if not resolved, can destroy a relationship. The smallest issue, if kept inside to fester, is going to build a wall. But on the other hand, the biggest difference can actually build a marriage if it causes each one to come together to deal with it, to work it out. See, in some houses, dishes fly and differences are strongly expressed. Now, I'm not endorsing that. But at the end, the marriage lasts and is strong because successful marriages aren't those without any problems or differences, but those marriages in which the differences are worked out. So, your relationship with God is a marriage. And like marriage, the smallest difference can destroy your peace and your relationship. If you're upset with God, let him know it. Don't hold it in. If you disagree with God... Come to him about it. Don't hold it in. If you're hurt, let him know it. Don't hold it in. Deal with it together. Let it out. Pour out your heart like waters before the presence of God. Tell him what you think. And then praise him for being right. And do what he says. Pour out your heart like waters before the presence of the Lord. Bring it to him. Whatever it is, lift it to him. Then get real close. And there won't be any walls. And you'll have a good, healthy, successful relationship and marriage to God. Want more? Ask for the second practice. Now, imagine being plugged into a special line let you in on future events. The news behind the news, biblical prophecy updates on Israel, what you need to know is an end-time believer, plus teachings and strength for every day of your week. And the incredible mystery of the temple doors all free. How do you get all this? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. I invite you to join me to reach the unreached peoples of the world in the most incredible way, from Moscow to Madagascar, even to Jerusalem. How? Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. Through Shoei Radio, you can blanket the earth with salvation. It's amazing. Just call Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct. The Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey. The zip is 07644. It's a Nice Jewish Boy. It's Box 1111. It's Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying... Shalom Alechem, peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah, Roeh HaTov, the Good Shepherd, and Hechatan, the Bridegroom of your life.
This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Welcome back to part two of Truth to Ponder. This is Jim Calhoun sitting in for Bob Bierman. And as I said at the first part of the show, it looks like I'm going to be sitting in several times this week. And so I invite everyone to check out what Bob puts on the next couple days, because I'm recording this for the Wednesday broadcast, and he's asked me to send him several of my shows. And like you, I'm curious to know which one of my shows that he's going to air in which time slot. So I want to invite you to tune in the rest of the week to Truth to Ponder, because we have some good programming in store for you. More anecdotal evidence is the fact that there's a grass that comes on really early. It grows very late in the season. In September and October, it'll green up, and it's really the last fresh, tender green grass that grows in the season. And then it goes dormant in the winter, and then very early in the spring, it greens up. And that's what the rabbits and the deer and the other wildlife, they thrive on that. That's what gives them that extra little push to get through the winter, and it also and it also pulls them out of winter and builds their health back up so they can breed. And it's very important to have this grass, and some people call it cheat grass, some people call it wild oats. Most farms and ranches are pretty well plagued with it. It's nothing you really want to have as a hay crop. And so nobody really likes that, except what God put it here for was to prepare animals for winter and pull them into spring into better shape. And the wild oats has pretty well disappeared in this part of the country. Normally, there's huge patches of wild oats. So why did it disappear? Where did it go? Where are the crickets? Every year we have crickets. The crickets sing all night long, and they chirp so loud that sometimes you can't hardly go to sleep. And again, I harvest hay. And where do crickets like to hide? Under hay bales. It's natural, or haystacks. Anytime you have a pile of hay, you're going to have a pile of crickets. That's just the way it's always been. I do hear occasionally a cricket here and there, but nothing like I should be hearing. Instead of hearing thousands of crickets, I'm hearing one and two occasionally. And every year the cicadas come out. In the evenings, the cicadas are singing so loud, and it kind of lets you know what time of year you're in. Because they start singing about the first week of July. And then they sing through mid-August, and then they start tapering off. And anyone that's seen the cicada shells, as they emerge as adults, they leave their young body, the shell of it, behind. And as a kid, I used to collect these shells by the hundreds. I have not seen a cicada shell this year. And usually this time of year, they're singing very loud. It's very noticeable. And you go past a tree grove, and it's just a beautiful cicada song coming from these tree groves. Well, this year, I've heard one or two cicadas. Not in groups like normal, but just individual cicadas. And usually, when you get into the towns along the Platte River Valley, the entire towns are singing with cicadas this time of year. And so the last time I drove through town in the evening, I made a point to listen for the cicadas. And I only heard, like I say, one or two individuals. I didn't hear what I normally should hear. Because the cicadas are obviously not there. 
every year we're plagued with millers. Millions and millions of millers. These millers come in late April and they last till June. And they come by the billions. And if you have a yard light, there's so many millers around your yard light, it looks like a blizzard. This year, not only no millers, I've been turning on a yard light at night, especially humid nights after it rains with a lot of humidity, where traditionally there's every kind of bug you can imagine flying around the light. There's no bugs flying around the light. And every year we're plagued with what are called June bugs, and they come in early June, and they fly around the lights, and they're real clumsy, and they land in your hair, and they're, they're about the size of a marble, maybe a little bit bigger. And they're kind of nasty. They're brown. They really don't hurt you, but they're, they kind of creep you out. And sometimes if you walk underneath a street light, you almost have to run because there's so many June bugs. You don't want to have them bouncing you because they get in your hair and they go down your back and they crawl up your sleeve of your shirt. And, you know, they're just kind of a nuisance. This year, I've seen probably six June bugs. And you got to understand that we're usually plagued with them by the millions. I've seen six. Another creature that is absent is that we're plagued with these black mud dauber wasps. And they're really a nuisance. But I really notice their absence acutely because I water my cows by hand and I have to stand there and fill each tank with a hose. And as the tanks fill up, I have to move from one tank to the other. And while I'm doing that, I have lots of free time, and so I observe things. And every year, I watch these mud daubers come in and get water, or they go to the ground just outside the tank where maybe some water has spilled and made some mud, and then they gather up some mud in a little ball, then they fly away. And so that's just something I can watch while I'm standing there watering cows. And you have to understand, I'm standing out there five and six hours every day watering my cows. Normally, I'd see thousands of mud daubers. This year, I've not seen one. And there's also a cousin to that mud dauber that has some yellow markings on it. Haven't seen that one either. And so I can go on and on and on with this. I know it's anecdotal, but I could just keep going all night long of things that are just wrong with the environment. And to me, that means that the food chain has been broken. To me, that means that what God has created has been destroyed. And maybe they haven't killed them all, not yet. And are we ever going to be able to get it back? I really doubt the sheer absence of the plants and animals and insects that I'm noticing tells me that the food supply, the food chain, is so severely broken that I don't think it can stand anymore. It's like taking the support beams out from house. And if you take all of your supporting walls out in a house, what's going to happen is the house is going to collapse. And I truly feel that whatever they're spraying up in the sky with the chemtrail is taking these pillars of support as far as the ecological support as far as the ecosystem and it's gutting it and it's leaving such massive holes 
and not just here and there either. It's across the board. In a normal year, I would see squadrons of dragonflies because along the river here we're plagued with mosquitoes. Of course, like I said, there's no mosquitoes, but also there's no dragonflies. Not very many. I see one or two every day instead of one or two hundred, which is normal. I should be seeing hundreds of dragonflies because where I'm harvesting hay right now is along a wetland. And there's a little stream that runs through this wetland. And I've been out haying in 100 degree weather. And so I'll take my shirt off and go to this little stream and I'll get my shirt wet so I can cool myself down. And so I'll take five minutes. And along this stream that I've seen since I was a boy, it's always been known for its dragonflies. As a child, I would sit and watch these dragonflies for hours. They're so fascinating. And so I'm really looking. And there's very few dragonflies. And so they really have things messed up. I think it's coming from chemtrails. I think it's by design. I think that this Agenda 2030, the way they're going to accomplish that is with massive death of God's creation. And I think that all children of God need to understand that we need to stand up for all of God's creation, whether you like that creation or not, whether it's a lowly mosquito or a wasp or whatever it is. It's still one of God's creations. It's one of God's handiworks. And while I'm glad I'm not getting bit while I'm out harvesting my hay, it's rather unnerving knowing that these creatures are not here. It seems like we have a mass extinction event going on right now. And I think that's the real issue. I don't think it's the economy. I don't think it's our losing our rights or the Constitution being eroded. I don't think it's the supply chains and the stolen elections, the corruption in government. I think that's all a smokescreen for what they really want to do. I really, truly feel that there has to be something behind all of this anecdotal evidence that I see every day. Something in my spirit is really restless. There's no way that my spirit is at peace. As I've told you earlier, I've made my life's career a professional musician. That means that I've kept very late hours in coming home from a concert or event. Sometimes I wouldn't get home till 6 or 7 in the morning. And of course, I'd want to get an hour or two of sleep before I went back to work here on the ranch. And it always bothered me that there'd be these morning birds that sounded so happy. And they'd be chirping so loud that they actually made me angry because I was trying to get some sleep and these birds were so loud that I wish they would go away. Well, now I wish they'd come back because these birds no longer are here. There's been several times that I've had concerts recently that I've got home at 6 and 7 in the morning. And instead of me laying there upset about these birds that won't be quiet, the silence is deafening. And then I can't go to sleep because there are no birds. It starts working on me. I start thinking, well, they're gone too. The families of geese are gone. The muskrats are gone. All the things that I've talked about, they're all gone. And also, we live in an area where they do a lot of hunting. 
and so they released millions of pheasants. And usually the ranch always has 10 or 15 pheasants on the ranch at all times. I have not seen or heard a pheasant now for three years on this ranch. And then every year the Sandhill Crane migrate through on their way to Siberia. And every year there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of cranes. Two years ago, it looked to me like their numbers were cut in half. And last year, it looked like they were cut in half again. Of course, I can't count these cranes as they go through. But you do notice things like that. The sizes of the flocks and the frequency of what they fly over. And you got to remember, I'm only 100 yards from the river. And so at night, they don't sleep. They squawk all night. 100 yards from my bedroom window. And so that gets very loud. After a night or two, you get used to it so you can go to sleep. But the last couple years hasn't been loud at all. There's just not that many of them there. Now, they could have changed their flyway a little bit. I'm not sure. And so some of these things that I've talked about probably do have a reasonable, rational explanation that has nothing to do with a planned genocide of all of these different creatures. But I really do feel that I'm onto something because the sheer magnitude of the different varieties of species, whether they be mammals or insects or whether they be birds, they all have one thing in common. They're God's creation. And we need to start watching our environment. And we need to start monitoring what we're not seeing and what we are seeing. So how are we going to get around this? It seems to me that prayer is the only answer. But I think we need to pray for all of God's creation. But I think it's time that we started sending up our prayers for the creatures that God has created. Because it seems to me that all of God's creatures are just innocent victims of man's greed and these evil scientists and these globalists. These animals, they don't know that they're being victimized by chemtrails and by other means. So does it sound to you as a listener like everything is just fine? Or does it sound to you like we all need to start praying and standing up for God's creation? And also, maybe we can all spread the word about what is happening. But I want to say this. Your area might not be affected. I do know that it's really bad here. But I want to ask all of the listeners to please pay attention to your own environment. And if you notice what I'm noticing in your area, that is a reduction in plants and animals and insects, if this is widespread all across North America, then we are in very serious trouble. But we shouldn't live in a spirit of fear. The Bible says, fear not. When God created the earth and put man on the earth, he gave mankind dominion over the plants and animals, but he expects us to be good stewards and to take care of what he's created. And so we should not sit back and watch the systematic destruction 
of God's creation. And we have satanic people that are in charge. We have the globalists, pedophiles, the New World Order people. And it seems like these people are literally hell-bent to do Satan's handiwork. And I know that this is a spiritual battle. So we have to battle this spiritually. The powers that be, the ones that serve their master, Satan, I think are doing everything in their power to destroy God's creation. So that's the way I see things. This is what I've been observing. And I see things going downhill very fast with all the man-made wars and disasters, the destruction of our economy. It seems like all of that's happening on steroids. But very quietly, right in front of everybody, but with nobody noticing, I think that they're carrying out one of the most evil things that's ever been done on this planet, is the destruction of all of God's creation. I can only hope that I'm wrong. I can only hope that it's temporary. I can only hope that everything I'm seeing is cyclical, somehow normal. But in my heart, I really think that things are in trouble here. And that's what my spirit says. My spirit says I need to start telling people what I'm seeing and what I'm not seeing. I don't know what this really means. I hope that it's just a local event here. I hope that you're not affected. But it seems to me that it's wider than just my area. One example is, is that usually you see toads out on the road, especially on a rainy night, because they seek the heat of the cement or the pavement, and they lay in the rainwater to soak up water and get warm at the same time. And so if you're traveling at night, you generally run over lots of toads that are on the road on a rainy night. And sometimes the toads are so thick, you just can't help it. They're just millions of toads on the road. I recently drove about 160 miles on a rainy night, a night that should have been full of toads on the road. And so I decided to notice if the toads were thin or thick, because I was already observing the lack of animals here. Well, in all that distance, well over 150 miles, I saw exactly three toads on the road. It was raining for that whole 160 miles. It was a nice warm evening. Should have been millions of toads on the road. I counted three. And then the robin populations down here, not near as many robins, and hawks and eagles are very territorial. And so every three or four miles, you'll have a, a group of hawks or eagles that kind of rule that part of the skies. That's their hunting ground. And so I like to watch hawks and eagles while I'm out in the hayfield because it does get a little old going around and around and around on a tractor very slowly. And so part of my entertainment is just watching nature. And there's no hawks in the air. I have not seen an eagle for months. And the territorial hawks that normally nest in the trees behind my barn, they're not there either. Now, I will say that there's an increase in owls. 
I think we have about 10% more owls than I've ever seen here. But that's the only bird or animal that I've seen more of than normal, is just the owls. I really don't know what to make of this other than I think it deserves our prayer and deserves our attention. And I really, truly hope that you got something from the show today. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to inform you. We should never live in a spirit of fear. Never, ever. But we also shouldn't live in a spirit of complacency. We shouldn't pull up a chair and grab our popcorn and watch the destruction of everything we hold dear. And I think the only thing we can do to come against these evil people, these scientists and globalists, is by prayer. I have no doubt in my heart that these people that want to play God want to replace God first. Well, I hope you got something from this show today. I do appreciate you tuning in. And I'm going to be filling in for Bob for the rest of the week. And so I hope you enjoy the programming that's going to take the place of Truth to Ponder. I know one of the episodes is going to be the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. And it's going to be a special edition. And that's going to be Friday. Now Thursday, it's either going to be the Harmony Barn Sessions Music Show or an episode of the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. That's still kind of up in the air. But Bob Beerman is going to have his choice of what he wants to air. And I can speak for Bob Beerman here. We really appreciate you tuning in. And if you'd like to donate to this ministry, that would be greatly appreciated. And you would make the checks out to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, and you would mail to Truth to Ponder, 5753 Highway 85 North, 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248, 3248, Crestview, one word, Crestview, Florida, and the zip code is 32536, 32536. And again, I appreciate you tuning in today, and please, everyone, observe your surroundings. Really take stock of what's happening in your local area. Really pay attention to the wildlife and the flora and fauna of your area. Really tune into that. Stay safe. Stay strong. Keep your powder dry. But most important of all, replace fear with faith. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.